Good morning. Pray that uh, you will receive the word of God today and that the word of God will be sweet as honey and uh, stick to you just like honey. As we are uh, beginning the new series, um, I'm excited about it and I hope you are the same way and just don't say to yourself, well, I know Ten Commandments. What new is there going to be? There's always something new in the word of God. But it's not always about new things, but it's always about going back to the basics. And in the basics, in the fundamentals, that's where the real things happen. You see, when an athlete goes to training, they go into strict training, and they strive to the higher goal, higher purpose, to win a medal or maybe perhaps the gold medal. That's what their vision is. They go into practice and the first thing they do is, I am so good. I know everything about my uh, sports, but I do need a coach. I have not seen any good athletes without a coach. So they get a coach. And if there is any good coach, not a good coach, they will start you with the basics. The first thing they're going to do is, first day, you're going to make 10 laps. What? I know all that stuff. Show me what you got so I can go and win the gold medal. None of them would say that. Only the amateur would say those things. Those who have a higher goal would say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I will listen to you. I will run and run the basic, the building block for the sports. I will go and build the muscles, and more importantly, build the endurance. You see, at the end, they know, the good athletes who has a higher goal, they know at the end, it's not just about the skills. It's about the endurance and the confidence that comes from mastering the fundamentals, that which is the discipline. It takes the discipline, endurance, to abide by the Ten Commandments. I remember when my daughter was young, one of my daughters, Maybe I better not mention which one. I believe she was in the middle school, and she wanted to learn how to dance. She was really into dance. And so she went up and signed up for hip-hop dance. And I kind of said, you know, I don't know much about dance, but I've been around. I'm a little bit uh, around longer than she has. I said, don't you need to start with uh, the fundamental dance like ballet? It's just no, Daddy, I don't want to do ballet. I want to do hip-hop dance. I didn't know exactly what that was as many years ago. But I realized that hip-hop is that, you know, that jazzy and that slick moves and you wear nice, sleek clothes and something that you could impress others other than that triangle-shaped ballet dress. So what have I known? So I said, okay, go right ahead. So she signed up for hip-hop dance, and uh, she was rather good. I went to her performance several times, and she was fast learner, and she became good at it. 
And now she was ready to advance to the next level. And she says, I want to take up the advanced lesson on hip-hop dance. I say, go for it. And then she comes back. What happened? Well, when I went to register for the next level, my instructor told me that if I want to be really good at the advanced level of uh, uh, hip-hop dance, that I would need to know all the moves from the valet. So she, being a very conforming person, she did enroll in the basic valet lessons. Knowing the basics of life is fundamentally important. It's extremely important. If you want to succeed in your business, your career, the fundamental in everything is key to your success. Most of young people think it's all about my skills, my knowledge. No, no, no. It's the moves of the valet that's going to take you up there. It's your ability to unite and congregate with the people is what's going to get you there. It's a fundamental human building block for human beings. The fundamentals, the basic gives us a good foundation for us to have a successful life or victorious life. It will give you a solid foundation for God-pleasing life. So let's go back to basics, shall we? So let me ask you the question. Do you know your Ten Commandments? That's pretty basic. Can you name some of them? Now, I know my congregation. They can probably name at least eight out of ten. I remember many years ago watching um, the water guy. I don't know. His, forget his last name. The guy in the faction. He does a lot of surveys. He walked on the streets of New York. He had to pick the streets of New York because the city of Philadelphia it might be a little, have a better, better survey. So walk in the streets of New York and just randomly approaches the young people and says, do you know Ten Commandments? Everybody says, yeah. Name one. Uh, 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 was the answer. Well, what about Thai shall not kill? Oh, is that in Ten Commandments? Oh, it was just, it was great. And when after another guy, I bet there was a lot of young people probably said all the right things, name all the Ten Commandments, but I think they took that out just to make it interesting. And it was kind of shocking that many, many of us just did not know the contents of Ten Commandments. So today we will begin with the first and the second one. The first and the second one says in Exodus 20, uh, verse three to four, says, do not have any other God before our God. Slide, please. And second one says, do not make yourself an idol. Am I looking at the same slide? It would be nice if I can slide, please. Yes, thank you. The first one and the second one says, in summary, do not have 
any other God before our God. And second one, do not make yourself an idol. Now, much of the troubles that we face in our lives are directly related to not obeying the Ten Commandments. Let's just put it that way. That's why Ten Commandments is so critical and important. Much of the troubles that we have today, that we face today, are directly, not indirectly, it directly related to not obeying the ones that are in the Ten Commandments. If we have kept them, we wouldn't need any other laws. Ten Commandments should be good enough. Because we do not remember, for example, Sabbath day, we get in all kinds of trouble, and because of these troubles, we have more laws. Because we do not honor our parents, we get into all kinds of troubles, and because of those troubles, we have more laws. Because we murder and commit adultery and we steal, we get into all kinds of troubles. And the society creates more laws for us. Because we testify false witness against our neighbors, we get into all kinds of troubles. And because of those troubles, our society creates more laws for us. Because we don't follow these commandments, our legal system, our politicians are busy creating more rules, laws, regulations, and policies. Just think about it. We started with one law. We started with the one command. You know what that was? That was simple. That one command contained everything that's in Ten Commandments and everything else and beyond. The one and only command that we were ever given was do not eat, thou shalt not eat that fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. One law, one command, one policy. And what happened to us? How many do we have in all, how many laws and policies do we have now? Well, no one's counting. There's so many. According to a search through Google, for example, in 1927, like 90 years ago, we had a federal law, just a federal law, it's not state law, just federal law contained in one single volume. 50 years later, roughly, by 1980, which is only about 30 years ago, we had a 50 volumes of more than 23,000 pages. And today, no one knows. We have no idea how many laws and regulations we have to abide by. Let's go back to the, just the Ten Commandments. Interestingly, out of ten, eight of them begins with, do not, thou shalt not. This brought us into a very interesting place of discussion. Listen carefully. Did you ever wonder why our God 
after creating the whole universe and earth, then creating Adam and Eve, and he gave everything to Adam and Eve. Gave them free to reign, free to do whatever they want, and God gave them just a total freedom. But only one restriction, one law that says, do not. Here it is. Genesis 2.17. Do not eat the fruit of this tree that is in the middle of the garden. It's a middle of the garden. It's not on a peripheral. It's a middle of the garden. It's a very significant, the fact that it's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, and you will surely die. One law, one rule, that's all we had. And God placed right in the middle of the garden. What does that mean? That means every day you get to see it. If, you're, if that fruit or that tree was in the corner somewhere, you can avoid that. Or don't even pay attention to it. But in the middle of the garden, you will see it. You wake up, see it. Before you go to bed, you see it. You see it again and again on a daily basis. This is what I think it happened. And I'm sure pretty much... Is exactly what happened. So God told Adam and Eve, come here. Now that I have created you, now you're going to live in this place. Let's do an orientation. Right? You go to work for a company, the first day, what do they do? Orientation. Of course, everywhere you go, there's going to be orientation. What do they do in the orientation, most of the time it's about policies, rules, and the regulations, how we do things, how you shall not do things. So God says, hey, Adam and Eve, it's a time for orientation. And the first rule, the first policy, I have one policy. And that policy is not to eat that fruit from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve probably said, fine, that's great. What's next? I observe it. I, I understand. What's next? And God says, that's it. In my kingdom, in my rule, this world, my company, there's only one rule. Not two, not three, only one. That's the first policy, and that's the last policy. I got only one rule. Why? The question is, why did God give one law, one command? When they were living in this perfect, utopian world, there's no need for anything. Everything's there perfect world. He gave one policy, one rule, one command. Why? First, let's look at it. It's about discipline. It takes a discipline because you're going to see this thing every day. It takes a discipline to obey do nots. 
It takes extreme discipline to look at something every day and not to do something. It takes discipline to build life with Ten Commandments. Second, this is more relevant to what we're talking about today. It is about being aware every day the very existence of God in their lives. Think about it. You were put into this garden. You never have to work. You don't have to scrape everything. You don't have to clean anything. You don't have to labor. Everything is a sunny, bright day. And if you so desire snow, I'm sure snow will just pour on that garden. Everything according to what we would desire. That means God kind of knew that we have no need for God. But God is saying, I want you to remember me. I am in the middle of the garden. You need to live this amazing, perfect world, utopian world, whatever that case may be. But I need you to remember, remember, and remember that I have created this all for you. That's the only thing that I want you to know. And enjoy this amazing life. Why would our God care about what Adam and Eve eat? It was his way of letting Adam and Eve to live in the presence of God. Being aware of their creator. It was his way, God's way, of letting them know that God is one who provided all these things for them. It's not from natural evolution as a result of Big Bang. I created it. I just need you to know that. And so therefore, if you, even though you have dominion over everything, this one thing, I don't want you to touch it. In remembrance of me. That's what it means. To live in the presence of God. To obey this rule, it takes discipline. God is saying, when you are disciplined enough to obey my one and only policy, you are acknowledging me. You are honoring me. You know where I'm going with this. Everyone here knows where I'm going with this. In essence, what God is saying is this. When you do all those things, what you are really doing to me is that, number one, you are not you are not having any other God before me. And this way, I will know that you are not, you are not making for yourself any idols. That's what it means. You say, if Adam and Eve... Well, if I was Adam and Eve, I would have never broken that rule. 
It's only one rule, one simple. What can we? You know, it's easy just to obey one rule, laws. Or you may say, I don't have any other God before God the Creator. I certainly don't make myself an idol. I believe in the saving nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. Really? The question is, really? If you love money more than God, then you have God before the God of Creator. You do have an idol. It's not always talking about different religion, guys. In fact, it was not about different religion. At that time, there's no other religion when God first created the policy. Obviously, the, the command this came a little later. If you love your children more than God, and I see this all the time, we fall into this trap. If you love your children more than God, you do have God before the God of Creator, and you have an idol. God is not pleased with it. God says, I'll take care of your kids. You take care of me? No, no. You honor me? I'll take care of your kids. And if you cannot let go of your pride in you, then you certainly do have a God before the God of Creator. Oh, yes. If you do that, you have an idol. A big idol. You may not see it. All your neighbors are seeing it. You know what I'm talking about. Don't have to reflect on you. Just look somebody else. Yeah, that guy, that guy is full of it. That's idol, guys. And believe it or not, somebody else is saying same thing about you. You are full of it. That's having idol. That's worshiping other God before our God of Creator. We had one law, and we messed it up. So God gave a second chance. This time God gave us ten commandments, ten laws. And then we messed up again. And then after that, our society decided they'll take over. So they created these policies and laws. How many did I say there are? 30 years ago, 20, 50 volumes, totaling 23,000 pages of laws and regulations. My goodness. No wonder we have a lot of lawyers in our country. That's true. You have one law. You don't need lawyers. Ten. You don't need lawyers. Today, we've got all these problems. Laws, there's too many to count. And we still having problems. Because we are still blatantly, blatantly disobeying the Ten Commandments. If you dissect and look everything that is happening that created all the 50 volumes, I'm sure right now we have 200 volumes of it, but all together dissect and look at it and look at the, look at the, the root of it, it all goes to Ten Commandments. 
So why was the Ten Commandments written? Why were the First and the Second Commandments were written in addition to God wanting us to live our lives acknowledging His presence? Remember who God is. Our God is not God of wrath. Our God is God of love. He created everything in love. He gave the first command to Adam and Eve out of love. He gave us ten commandments out of love, not out of wrath. When he gave the ten commandments, it wasn't just about, about acknowledging him. It's not just about honoring him. It's not just about giving us a hard time. There was something even greater than that. There was something even greater than the great things I just mentioned. God created Ten Commandments. It was to save us. It was to save us. As I often talk about, when I talk about the law, I talk about intent of the law. What is written is not it's a law, but it's in order for that to have the true interpretation, you need to understand the intent of the law. I know I mentioned many times the intent of a traffic speed limit is not 55, it's not 45. Its intent was for what? Safety of the people in the car, outside of car. The intent of the two laws and commands, commandments in the Bible and the rest of the eight was written to save us. Look. It's very important to look. Look what God said before he gave us our ten commandments. You'll be surprised. Because we often just focus on the first commandment, two seconds, second, third. If you look at the two verses, two verses, you can go to the next slide, two verses that God said, God to the people before reciting, giving us the Ten Commandments. You know what he says? I said, first, Exodus 20, uh, verse, verse 1, God said, God spoke these words. It's a statement. It's, it's, God said this. It's, a, it's like, need you to know. Pay attention. You know, that's what it means. God spoke these words. Second verse. I am the Lord your God who brought, brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What God is saying, I have rescued you guys. I have saved you. From the misery. I have saved you from the misery. No, so therefore, I'm going to give you so that you can stay in saved mode. So that you don't fall trapped into the misery again. I want to help you. I want to love you so you can stay in saved mode. It's a cruising without any difficulties. Then he said, you shall have no other God before me. Verse 4, you shall not make yourself an idol. You understand that now? 
going back to the uh, Genesis, God basically said, I created you, so therefore do not eat the fruit as a demonstration of your obedience for what I have done for you. This is the way God is saying, this is a way for you to remember each and every day by looking at that tree that is located in the middle of the garden that I, the God, exist. I have given you everything, including the eternal life. Remember Adam and Eve, the privilege to have eternal life from the day that they were born. They're going to live eternal life here on earth. There's no death. So God's saying, I have given you this, including the salvation. I have given it to you. So don't forget, I did this for you. Don't forget your creator. And if you, if you just look at that tree that is in the middle of the garden, and if you obey what I told you to do, that which is not to eat food from that tree, that's your way of keeping the salvation the way that I gave you freely. It's just basically God wants us to live in his presence. Are we living in his presence? Or are we too preoccupied with things of this world that we forget many times the presence of God in our lives? This Bible verse, Exodus 21-2, so crucial to us to understand the intent behind the Ten Commandments. It was about God desiring to save us. I saved you, basically. When he said, I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of misery, a land of misery. I saved you. I rescued you. I carried you on the wings of eagle. These are actual his words describing what he did in other parts of the Bible. What God is saying that if you appreciate that and if you want to continue to live, you must, must remember what I've done for you. Remember that I have saved you. It's our God's love demonstrated through Ten Commandments to save us. But... Just like Adam and Eve, if we keep messing up each and every day, I wish God would have placed that tree in the really corner somewhere so we don't have to see it. But it's not the tree. That tree is God. Basically, it's like I'm God. I want you to know that I exist with you. But we keep messing up. God told us not to eat from the tree, and we keep eating, and we, today we still eat that, the fruit that we're not supposed to touch. And because of that, our life got messed up. I know you, your life is messed up. My life is somewhat messed up too. God told us to obey the Ten Commandments. We keep disobeying, and because we keep disobeying, our life gets messed up. 
God told us not to have a other God before our God was created, but we keep on having other gods. And because of that, our life got pretty messed up. God told us not to make ourselves an idol. But we make an idol every day. We make it with the pride, make it with the stubbornness, we do it with our, our, our ways. Instead of building a life with stone, we keep on making, building our life with a brick. Then we pretty much messed up our lives. In summary, originally we had a one commandment. That's kind of awakening, isn't it? We had only one commandment. And we failed that, so we acknowledged that. Then it grew into Ten Commandments. We messed that up too. But yet, our God is still good to us. And because our God does everything in the name of love, He cares for us. His intent is still to save us. So He sends his son, Jesus, first to forgive us. And then, once again, to remind us. God does everything in the name of love. He sends his son. Through his son, first, his intent is to forgive us for all that messed up life that we have. And then, second thing is, again, reminding us. You notice when Jesus, at the Last Supper, the word, the key word, remember, remember, remember. Do this in remembrance of me. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obey them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. This does not necessarily mean that if you don't obey, that God is not going to disown you. That's not what he says. If you don't God is going to still love you. But if you do not, if you disobey the command, your life will be messed up, but I'll still love you. In addition, the Bible says that if you want to be his friend, you must also obey his commands. We can sing, what a friend we have in Jesus all day long. But if you don't obey his command, you're going to still struggle. But I'll still love you. I'll be right behind you. But you're going to struggle. I wish I don't have to see you struggling your life. John 15, 14. You are my friend if you do what I command. Bible says, if you say 
you love me, then you must keep my command. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commands. Hey, it's all conditional. The life we live here is conditional. But the life that we're going to enjoy in heaven, it's not conditional, it's a free gift. Just because you're saved does not mean your life is going to be without struggles. We're going to lessen your struggle in this life. All this Bible verse is saying that if you obey God's command, things will be better for us. Not only that, don't we all want to be blessed? I mean, all the prayers that we do, 80, most of the prayers, God bless us, bless us. The Bible says that if you want to be, if you want to be blessed, if you want to receive all that kind of blessing from God, that we must also obey God. We have to be found favored in His eyes. Look, chapter 11, verse 28. He replied, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey. Yes, we can come to church and every Sunday listen to the word of God and this is great. Thank you, God. Live. No, no, no. You have to obey to be found favor in his eyes. So let's go back to the basics. God says if you obey the Ten Commandments, we will be loved. We will have a friend in Jesus. We will be blessed. But yes, we do strive. I know we all try. I know we try. But we, but we fall. So aren't you glad we have Jesus? He came to tell us. Jesus saying to you right now, I will pick up the pieces for you. The mess that you made, I will pick it up. And I will save you. God's intent was from the day that he created Adam and Eve. And when he gave those restrictions and do nots and command was always, always to save us. Because ultimately, at the end, our Lord Jesus Christ said, I have came to save the world. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much that you have came to us to save us. 